When I was a young person, there was a particular fashion trend that I really, really wanted to be a part of. And at the time, I was really mad at my parents that they wouldn't indulge me in this particular clothing item. You know, now I'm really grateful because I have kids of my own, so you know, set a bad precedent there. But, but the thing I wanted, this article of clothing that I felt like I couldn't live without was, was this, a members-only jacket. All right, yeah. And uh, in case you don't know, Members Only is just the brand name. Uh, these jackets were wildly popular in the 1980s, and I wanted one. Now, understand, there's not a club that gives you these jackets. It's just a, a nebulous concept, Members Only, right? You know? So the jackets were not given to any member of a particular group, but all the cool kids somehow managed to have one. And it might surprise you to learn, but I was not, in fact, one of the cool kids, uh, Take a moment to process that. That's okay. But, but if you grew up in the 80s, you know, you, you remember that these jackets, they were, they were all the rage. And, and the, the conundrum was you had to be a member to have a jacket, but you couldn't have a jacket unless you were a member. It was quite the conundrum, especially for those of us who were on the outside. Because members-only jackets, like, like so many fashion trends, they create two groups. They create the haves and the have-nots, insiders and outsiders. And of course, as an adult, I know that my identity is not found in what I wear or what I don't wear. I'm much, much smarter than that now. As an adult, we know our identity is found in our career success, our wealth, how good our kids turn out to be. Maybe we're, maybe we're not as smart as we think. But our true identity, our true sense of worth should really only be found not in, in fashion, not in work, not in our, our family, but uh, only found in our relationship with Christ, being on the in with him, if you will. And that's what we're going to explore today, what it means for us to be on the in crowd with Jesus. And we're going to explore that not because it's, it's my agenda for us, but because it's Jesus' own agenda. We're going to look at a passage where Jesus has a, a very clear purpose, a strong agenda, and we're going to understand how his agenda plays out in our own lives. And this morning we begin a brand new series, a series that's going to carry us throughout the summer, and we're calling the series The Storyteller. We're going to spend our summer exploring the parables of Jesus. So each Sunday will be a different parable, and we're going to get to hear from a variety of different voices, which is great. Our, our global outreach team has done a great job of lining up some of Trinity's own missionaries to come and share with us this summer. And uh, we're going to hear from our student ministries intern, Nate, later in the summer. Uh, we're going to celebrate our Spanish language ministry with the dual language worship service. So it's going to be a big summer. You don't want to miss any of it. And throughout it all, we're going to be exploring the parables of Jesus. So if you've ever read through the Gospels, you know Jesus uses parables quite a bit in his teaching. In fact, at one point, Matthew says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. So Jesus uses parables quite a bit in his teaching. And about one-third of all of Jesus' teaching is in the form of parables. And parables are a little bit confusing, and we're going to talk about that today even. But the, the word parable actually helps us understand a little bit of what Jesus is trying to do. The word parable is made up of two other words, uh, para and balo. Uh, balo, like a ball, means to throw, and para means uh, to come alongside. So, so a parable is literally something that's thrown alongside. Uh, in other words, Jesus uses these stories, he uses parables to, to toss aside deeper truths. 
So truths about our identity in him, for example. So, so a parable is something we know or something we can easily understand, and, uh, such as like a, like a farmer sowing seeds, right? And it's thrown alongside something that's more difficult to understand, some of the, the deep truths about our faith. And so a parable is basically just using something familiar to shed light on something that's unfamiliar. And we're going to begin our series looking at the, the first parable that Jesus teaches. Or it comes in the book of Matthew, chapter 13. You can open up your Bible there if you want. And uh, Jesus has used a few parables before this, but, but this is a real turning point in Jesus' ministry. It begins a new agenda for him. We're going to talk about that agenda because it's really important. His agenda now suddenly leans very heavily on parables. He becomes primarily a storyteller. And Jesus teaches this, this first parable in Matthew 13, and he kind of comes across as like that one professor in college that, that nobody liked, and he knew that nobody liked him, and so he made his class a little extra hard, like out of spite, you know? That's kind of what it feels like Jesus is doing with this first parable, because he, he tells the story at the beginning of Matthew 13, and then he ends by saying, let anyone who has ears listen. That's it. No uh, wrap-up, no application point. I mean, not even like a closing prayer, whatever. Just this kind of statement that seems like a little bit of a challenge, right? And and the truth is, there's not that much for us to hang our hat on. Not that much to help a person understand what Jesus is really getting at. One commentator I read said it very simply. He said, this is not the clearest form of communication. So yeah, I bought a book so that the guy could tell me that parables are not the clearest form of communication. There you go. But, but Jesus finishes up. He says, let anyone who has ears listen. And I think he feels pretty good about himself. He has done what he set out to do. Like I said, he's got this agenda, and he feels like he's accomplished it. Only problem is it seems like nobody has ears. Nobody seems to understand this parable of Jesus. But his disciples, I mean, they can't admit that. They, they can't walk up and tell him, hey, we have no idea what you're talking about. So they, they decide to kind of skirt around the issue, like, oh, I know what you mean. Why don't you explain what you mean so I can make sure you know what you mean? That's kind of the strategy they, they pursue. So they, they finally get up enough courage to kind of talk to Jesus about it, but, but they don't ask him directly. They don't say, hey, what are you talking about? Instead, they do what my five-year-old is doing right now every day. He asks me over and over again, Why? That's exactly what the disciples do. Look with me at uh, Matthew 13, verse 10. Verse 10. The disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. That's why I speak to them in parables. Because looking, they do not see. And hearing, they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. They have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back. And I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them. Or to hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. 
So Jesus gives them this explanation, and then he goes on to tell them what the parable means. And today we're not going to talk about the parable itself. We're not going to talk about Jesus' explanation. Instead, we're going to talk about this little part we just read, this kind of uh, confusing little section in the middle. Because I told you, Jesus has an agenda. And as we kick off this summer series in the parables, we want to make sure that we have a good foundation for what we're going to spend our summer talking about. We want to understand Jesus' own agenda. And to understand Jesus' agenda, we have to do exactly what the disciples did. We have to ask, why? Because the way that Jesus answers that question from his disciples, why do you speak to the people in parables? That tells us his agenda. And Jesus, he actually gives us two reasons why. So let's examine these two reasons, and then we're going to understand the implications for us. We're going to understand that agenda that Jesus has and the role that we play in it. So reason number one, it comes right at the very beginning of the passage. Look at verse 10 again. The disciples came up and asked him, why are you speaking to the people in parables? He answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. So Jesus tells us the first reason he uses parables is because there are insiders and there are outsiders. Those who are in the know and those who are not. Just like a a members-only jacket, some people can wear one, some people can't. You've got to be a member to have a jacket. Well, in the same way, Jesus says parables are useful because they help distinguish between the insiders and the outsiders. Who's in, who's out? Who's wearing the jacket? Who gets the parable? So Jesus tells us some folks get the secret and some folks don't. And the parable is designed to give the secret. In fact, a lot of parables start with this very idea. Jesus says over and over, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like... And then he goes on to describe what the the kingdom of heaven is like in a parable. Jesus tells us that parables are designed to reveal the truth. That's part of the reason. But there's insiders and there's outsiders. And the parables are designed to to reveal the truth to insiders. That's only part of it. They're designed to reveal the truth, but they're also designed to conceal. For the outsiders, parables conceal the truth. So Jesus uses parables as a very important part of his agenda. Remember, I told you he's got an agenda. And the first reason he uses them is because there are insiders and there are outsiders. He uses parables both to reveal the truth and to conceal the truth to these two different groups. That's the first reason. Now, I keep telling you, Jesus has an agenda. And you might think that that his agenda is to figure out who's an insider and who's an outsider, but that's not really it. You might think that Jesus' agenda is to build up and equip the insiders and kind of ignore the outsiders, but but that's not his agenda either. Because if Jesus only wanted to communicate with insiders, he would have only talked to them, just to his disciples. If Jesus wanted to hide things from the outsiders, he wouldn't have said anything at all to them. But that's not what Jesus does. In fact, this passage gives us a couple of clues to that, clues that tells us that Jesus wants to talk to insiders and to outsiders. The first clue comes right at the very beginning of the chapter. Uh, Look at verse 1. On that day, Jesus went out of the house. That's that's how the chapter starts. Jesus purposefully goes out of the house. He goes out to the crowds. He doesn't stay in the house with just his disciples. If he didn't want to talk to outsiders, he would just stay in the house, talk only to his disciples, the insiders. But he goes out of the house to outsiders. So he wants to share these things. And the fact that Jesus goes out of the house is a clue that his agenda involves not just talking to insiders. He goes out because he wants everyone to hear what he has to say. That's part of his agenda. And there is another clue. 
Another clue that I actually already gave you, it's, it's right there on the screen in that verse we just read. If you missed it, you might be an outsider. Look at the verse again. On that day, Jesus went out of the house. On that day. What day are we talking about? I mean, it could be any day, but Matthew specifically mentions on that day. He wants us to understand Jesus' agenda. So what else happened to Jesus on this particular day that would change his agenda? And to answer that question, we've got to go back to chapter 12. We're not going to read very much of that chapter, but I'm just going to give you a couple of key verses from chapter 12 that help us understand what happened on this particular day. Listen to these. Uh, Jesus heals a person, and then Matthew records these words. The Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. A little later in the chapter, Matthew says this. They brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But the Pharisees heard this, and they said, It's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So maybe you're kind of picking up on the theme. These, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they're not fond of Jesus. In fact, they've completely rejected him. They've looked at the work he's doing, and they've decided that it's the work of Satan. And because the leaders of Israel have rejected their long-awaited Messiah, then Jesus forms a strategy. He forms a new agenda. The leaders of Israel have rejected him, and so he begins to speak in parables. And one of the reasons is because he now knows there are insiders and there are outsiders. See, these religious leaders, they thought they were insiders. They thought that their their status and wealth and prestige and knowledge were, were proof that God was pleased with them, that God was making them true insiders. They thought their own following of the rules was what it took to be an insider. But they found their identity in the wrong place. They might be wearing the jacket, but they're not really members. So Jesus knows there are insiders and there are outsiders, and the outsiders are those who have hardened their own hearts against the message of Jesus, against the truth about who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do. That's what makes someone an outsider, rejecting Jesus on their own. So part of Jesus' agenda, part of the reason he speaks in parables, is to speak truth to insiders, to reveal truth to them, those who are willing to listen and learn those who are willing to find their true identity and worth in him. But remember, parables not only reveal truth, they also conceal truth. They conceal it from the outsiders, those folks who have willfully rejected Jesus. So there's only one problem with Jesus' plan. The only problem is that his own disciples didn't understand. So like if you've ever read the words of Jesus and kind of struggled to make sense of it, you're in pretty good company because even the closest disciples to him did not understand And that kind of presents a little bit of a problem with Jesus' agenda because if part of his agenda is to reveal truth to them uh, and not to the outsiders, then it would seem that maybe everybody is an outsider, that they're on the outside. Like they're not wearing the jacket to Jesus' private little group. It seems like Jesus might have a little bit of a problem here. But remember, I told you there's two reasons why Jesus speaks in parables. The first reason, as we said, because there are insiders and there are outsiders, but that's not the only reason. The second reason is because there is a way for outsiders to become insiders. Just like you can go to the store and you can buy a members-only jacket, there is a way for outsiders to become insiders in Jesus' kingdom. And that's the second reason that Jesus uses parables, because outsiders can become insiders. 
So how do outsiders become insiders? Jesus tells us how. Look at verse 10 again. The disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to the people in parables? He answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. So that's the first reason. There's insiders and outsiders. Jesus goes on to tell us the second reason in verse 12. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. Jesus tells us and tells his disciples that those on the inside have. We have something. We, and if we're on the inside, then whatever it is that we have, we've, we're going to get more of. And God, he's given us more of it. And as it turns out, we're going to have so much more that we're going to have more than we need. In fact, Jesus tells us we'll have more than enough. So Jesus tells us there's a way for outsiders to become insiders. That's the second reason he speaks in parables. Not just to hide the truth from outsiders, but he, he speaks to them. He goes out of the house. Even on the day that he's been rejected, he goes out of his way to give you and I understanding. So if you've ever looked at your life, if you've ever looked at the world and said, what are you up to, Jesus? He wants you to know. He wants you to understand. He wants to give you that understanding. In fact, he wants to give you so much understanding that you'll have more than enough. He doesn't want you to live in in worry or, or in wonder because he wants you to have plenty of understanding, more than you need. That's Jesus' desire for each and every person. He wants everybody to be an insider full of understanding, people who, who get it so much, they have so much understanding that they can give some away and they'll still have all that they need. I believe it was Pastor Craig, our former student ministries pastor, who told me the way to measure how many friends you have in Walla Walla. If you live here in the valley, you can know how many friends you have by one simple metric, how much zucchini people give you. You know, if you garden, if you grow zucchini, you're going to end up with more than enough. You're going to have to give some away. I mean, there's only so much zucchini bread that one person can consume, right? And so if you have a lot of friends, you're going to get a lot of zucchini, you know, maybe even like shoved in the doorstep so you can't say no to it kind of a thing. But uh, it's the same way with Jesus. You, you know how close you are to Jesus by how much of him you can give away. Because Jesus tells us that if you're an insider, you're going to have more than enough of what you need. To be close to Jesus, to do his will, to to help outsiders become insiders. And Jesus tells his disciples that the more they press into him, the more they begin to find their true identity in him, the more they're going to have everything they need and the more they're going to be able to give away. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you feel that you're really pressed into Christ. You're really growing in your relationship with him. That's wonderful. But I want you to know that not only is he giving you all that you need, but he's giving you more than enough. He wants you to keep leaning into him, keep growing in him, so that you can keep giving more of him away. You can live like Jesus, giving of yourself, knowing that you're going to have more than enough. So I want that to be a challenge to you. If you feel like you're growing in your relationship with Jesus, let that growth really show up in your life by giving more and more and more away. You can't outgive Jesus. But maybe you don't feel like that. Maybe you feel distant from Jesus. 
Maybe you're not really taking steps to grow in your relationship with him. Maybe you're trying to find your worth and your identity in something other than Jesus, in your work, in your family, in your bottom line. Maybe you feel like an outsider. Well, if that's you, I want, to, to, I want you to just rest in the good news that Jesus is holding out here. There's a way for outsiders to become insiders. Jesus says if we put our trust in him, if we begin to grow closer and closer to him, then not only will he give us what we need, but he'll give us more than enough. So my challenge to you, if you feel like an outsider, would be to take steps to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Read your Bible every day. Start to fill your mind with Jesus' words and ideas, not just your own. We've got our our summer Bible reading plan out, if you want to start with that. Uh, Just reading through the Gospels. It's on a little bookmark. looks just like this. You can find it out in the Guest Services Center. That's one way you can start to, to... Turn the tide of your relationship with Jesus. Another thing you can do is take the step of prayer. I mean, Jesus wants you to be closer to him. He wants you to be an insider. And just, just tell God that you want that. You, want to, you agree with him. You want to be closer to him. You're tired of chasing your identity in the wrong places. You want to know what it really means to be an insider. Just, just tell him that. Watch how he works in your life. Now, I told you Jesus has an agenda. He's given us... Two reasons why he uses parables. First, because there are insiders and there are outsiders. That's one reason. And yet Jesus doesn't only talk to insiders. The second reason that Jesus uses parables is because there is a way for outsiders to become insiders. Jesus uses parables to help outsiders become insiders. That's the second reason. So when you put these two things together, we start to understand Jesus' agenda. His agenda is for insiders to go out and help outsiders come in. If we have more than enough from Jesus, then that's for a purpose. And the purpose is so that we can go to outsiders and help them come in. That's what Jesus wants for outsiders, for them to become insiders. And that's why Jesus gives insiders more than enough, so we can go out and share him with other people. So we should be arranging our lives around the same agenda that Jesus has, that Jesus arranged his life around, to reveal truth to those who need it the most, to, to go out and help outsiders come in. And let me just give us three simple ways that we can begin to pursue Jesus' agenda, going out and helping outsiders come in. First, we've got to strengthen our own relationship with Jesus. I mean, maybe you've been an insider for so long that you're going to take Jesus for granted. You know, maybe you're, you're reading the Bible, you're praying, but more out of duty than actually trying to uh, engage. But Jesus wants you to know that you've got more than enough from Jesus. So strengthening your relationship, getting the heart back into that relationship helps you fill yourself to overflowing so that you've got something to, to, to give away. You can pursue Jesus' agenda freely, and that's one thing we can all do. The second way for us to all respond is, is simple but very important. We've got to form meaningful relationships with other people. You know, we, we've talked uh, a lot about forming meaningful relationships with each other. Uh, over the past several months, we've talked a lot about that. That's still true. That's still important. But equally true is the fact that we've got to have relationships with people outside of this church. You know, if we're going to pursue Jesus' agenda to help outsiders become insiders, well, you've got to got to know some outsiders. got to know some people who are far from God. you got to have meaningful relationships with them. Co-workers, neighbors, whoever, you know. 
One other way we can pursue Jesus' agenda is just to pray, just to pray. In your worship folder, you're going to find a little card, a little tiny business card-sized thing. It looks just like this. And it's got a sample prayer on it, just a, a way for each of us to keep ourselves focused on what's important to Jesus, on pursuing his agenda. It's just a, a simple prayer, and we could pray it together. We're going to do that in just a few moments. But before we pray it together, we want to turn our hearts towards uh, the Lord's Supper, this opportunity we have to reflect on how Jesus uh, made us insiders. You know, because sometimes as insiders, we still don't feel like we have enough. And we certainly don't feel like we have more than enough sometimes. Sometimes we feel distant from God, we feel distant from Jesus, like we're just going through the motions. And that's actually one of the reasons Jesus gave us communion. It's, it's a gift, a way for us to remember what he's done, to remind ourselves, to remember not only that he died for us, but to remind ourselves that he is continually with us, that, that our true selves are found only in him. And when we partake, when we take in the, the bread and the juice, in some sense we're doing exactly what Jesus taught us about today. We're, we're putting Jesus into our lives, not, not literally, but symbolically. We remind ourselves in a very tangible way of the great love that Jesus has for us. And we remind ourselves that Jesus was willing to give himself away for our sake, to be broken and to be poured out for us, even to the point of his death. We remember that Jesus was willing to go out of the house for us, to come to us in our time of deepest need. Like we sang about this morning, we were slaves to sin, and Jesus came to be with us, to be one of us, and to give himself fully for our sake. And that should inspire us, should inspire us to be led to do the same, to live in the same way, to take what we have in Jesus and to give it away to other people, to pursue his agenda of self-sacrifice, helping uh, outsiders come in, being insiders who go out in the same way that Jesus did. So Jesus has given us this way to remind ourselves of what he's done. And my prayer is that as we take in these symbols of Jesus' body and blood, symbols of his great sacrifice, that it would encourage us to become more and more and more like Jesus more willing to go out to pursue his agenda of loving other people and giving ourselves away. In a moment, our worship team is going to come up, and as they play, we're going to be free to respond in our own time. The elements are on the table throughout the sanctuary. And anyone who is a believer in Christ, anyone who has put their faith in him, uh, you are welcome to, to partake and, and join us in this celebration and this reflection. And if it's not a decision that you've made in your life, if you can't really point to a time when you consciously made a decision to turn away from sin and turn towards Christ, then, then I'd encourage you not to partake. I'd encourage you just to use this time to, to think about the great love that Jesus has demonstrated, that we remind ourselves about. I'd encourage you to, to ask God for the kind of understanding that we talked about this morning, that Jesus taught us about. And if for some reason you're not able to get up, then uh, you raise your hand and somebody can come and bring uh, the elements to you. So the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And after giving thanks... He broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant, the the new agenda, if you will, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me? God, I think of... uh, Your own words, the words of Jesus that tell us that uh, freely we have received and so freely we should give. That's what you've done for us, Lord. You willingly went to the cross for us. No one took your life, but you willingly laid it down for us. You had the power and the authority to do anything you wanted and you chose to sacrifice yourself for us. And we want to be people who follow in your footsteps. We want to be more and more like you as we take this time to reflect on the great sacrifice that you've given us, Lord. We want to pray this prayer that you have uh, laid out for us in this passage we looked at, Lord. We want to be reminded that we have more than enough. And so we ask that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear and a heart that understands how we can give away the love and the grace that you've so freely given to us, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.